Hi, Talia Lazarus here, and welcome back to I Got Back Up. Today I'm joined by racing driver Abby Eaton. A true powerhouse in the world of motorsport, Abby is a two-time British champion with over two decades of track experience in various motorsport disciplines. Also known as a fearless test driver on the Grand Tour, she joined Jeremy Clarkson, James May and Richard Hammond on their wild adventures and challenges. However, in 2021, during the W Series, Abby suffered a harrowing crash at the Circuit of the Americas that left her with a broken back and navigating physical and mental recovery. So, join me as we explore the life of Abby Eaton and her unbreakable spirit. So, my background is motorsport. I've been um, racing since I was about 10 years old and I kind of got into it through my dad. So, I kind of grew up around yeah, cars and bikes and things with engines and going fast and yeah, it was really a fantastic childhood and, you know, it was only really a matter of time until I kind of pestered for me to start. And I started when I was 10 years old, um, family run teams. So my dad would run the, initially it was go-karts and then we moved into cars when I was 15. Um, dad would build the cars, prepare them and run them. And yeah, I would rock up and um, do the driving. So, you know, it was a really fantastic childhood. I learned a lot. You know, spent a lot of time with my with my dad on race weekends as well. Um, been able to be fairly successful at it, uh, which is, you know, it's it's a fairly kind of it's not a straightforward industry to be in. Um, you know, yes, you have to have talent, but you also need to have the funding to race and and all that kind of stuff as well. So, you know, there's been years and years of hard work to be put into. You know, where I've kind of got to, I suppose, the last five ten years of of um you know my racing career and. Um, thankfully through majority of that time, I've very rarely hurt myself. I very rarely crashed. Um, I remember my first crash and it was in Cartum and I was about 12 and, um, I ended up breaking my arm and that was pretty much as bad as I'd ever had. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward to, when was it now? 20, what we now? 2023. So it was end of 2021. Um, and then uh, it wasn't even a crash, but I ended up running over a what's called a sausage curb, which is this kind of, they're supposed to be like speed bumps to effectively put people off running over um, and doing what's called track limits, where you can gain an advantage from running wide or cutting a corner. And I ended up uh, running over one of those and I ended up breaking my back. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I've been lucky for the majority of my career, but towards the, uh, yeah, the end of where I'm at now, I, I did a, a pretty big uh, injury to myself. And then what exactly happened in the accident then, if you don't mind explaining it? So uh, we were racing in Texas, uh, Sega of the Americas, and uh, I was racing in a series called W Series, which was um, the world's first female-only single-seater championship. And we basically went along with the Formula One um, races and um, travelled with them. I think we did eight, eight race weekends in total. And this was actually the last race weekend of the season. And um, I'd never actually been to the circuit before. So really, really cool circuit. Um, we I remember doing a track walk uh, with my engineer and all, all the other girls. And we were kind of walking around. And these sausage curbs on the side of the track, I remember being like, God, they are some like mean curbs. You know, they're, they're probably maybe 30 centimetres high and probably just as wide and probably maybe a metre, metre and a half long. Um, and, you know, we all commented saying, you don't want to go with one of those because if you do, like that's going to really, you know, cause some damage to the car basically and, you know, probably hurt yourself. And um, 
yeah, ended up the uh, in the first race, um, I ended up kind of running slightly wide at the exit of one of the corners and I just clipped one of the curbs, but the momentum kind of took me kind of in that direction. And uh, basically there was kind of three curbs set perpendicular to the circuit and it kind of pulled me towards one and then hopped me off one and then I basically landed directly on another one, um, which kind of stopped me dead and then threw me to the earth. And um, on that kind of initial compression, I ended up breaking my back in a couple of places. So, um, yeah, I don't advise picking a fight with a sausage curb. Um, and then obviously, well, I mean, what happened next? So you were, well, you were in the car and obviously did you, did you realise that it was your back or kind of what was what going through your head? Yeah, I knew instantly I'd broken my back. Um, I kind of heard it. I heard it crunch. It was like an empty Coke can or something being crunched. Um, and the pain was instant and it was kind of in between my shoulder blades, right in the centre of my back. And I thought, yeah, I've definitely just broken my back. Um, and this, I remember thinking that when I was looking up at the sky, I, like, because it sent me up, you know, vertically. And I remember looking at blue sky thinking, I've just broken my back. And um, I know one of the other girls, Bitesker, she's broken her back previously. And I remember in that moment, it, when in the air thinking, oh man, I've just broken my back. Oh, bites could broke her back. I, and it's strange because when you're in those kind of um, situations, I think obviously it's different for for each person, but some people, everything goes into kind of like slow-mo and everything slows down. Your thought process slows down and you have time to think about all sorts of stuff. Because again, I remember thinking, oh man, like my mum and dad are going to be really worried and they're going to be thinking what on earth's going on. And, you know, they were in England. So, um, the time difference was, I think it was probably early hours of the morning, um, that they were watching it while we were racing at like 6 PM in the U S. Um, so all this kind of stuff was going through my head and, um, I didn't actually once think about, you know, the, um, prospect of potentially being paralyzed or, you know, having spinal cord damage or anything like that. Um, and again, this was all kind of while I was up in the air and then I had to land again and I'm like, oh man, like I hope this doesn't do worse damage than, than kind of what I'm at and um, hit the deck, landed and obviously that hurt again. I don't remember thinking, oh, it hurts more. I just remember that as soon as I heard my back crunch, just the pain was like, you know, 20 out of 10 and it kind of didn't fluctuate from there. It just stayed there. Um, so I landed and uh, straight away, you know, I was still rolling, um, you know, hadn't stopped the car. I was on the um, steering wheel to the, you have basically buttons that you can press to talk to your engineer who's stood in the pit lane. So I instantly pressed the button and I remember trying to speak and I couldn't speak because, you know, what you kind of forget is your, you know, where your spine is, obviously your ribs are kind of everything, all your torso is all attached to your spine. Um, and I'd effectively shortened myself, um, you know, and so my torso had moved, all my ribs had, had all moved as well. So I was winded and, um, you know, the, the pain when you're in such intense pain, it's very difficult to sometimes get your words out. And I remember just saying, trying to say I've broken my back. And um, yeah, because even speaking was was sore to be able to, you know, I suppose that kind of movement through your body to to speak. And I remember my engineer coming on saying, what we can't hear you. And I, I've really, really hurt my back. I've really hurt my back. Um, all the while thinking, I don't really want to move like so I remember kind of trying to lift my hand up to the wheel as kind of gently as possible because I thought if I go to grab the wheel like I don't know what that's going to do to the injury 
so like you know really gently and and trying to speak kind of softly if I could um and then he said okay you know we'll, we'll try and get someone to you so then I kind of pulled up I had a decision in my mind of this was probably like two or three corners from where the pit lane was and I thought right well do I try and make it back to the pit lane where I know people are or like do I pull off here and you know the the pain was excruciating and I thought well if I pull off here to kind of get out the way I'm gonna have to go kind of on the grass which is a little bit bumpy and I was like I really don't want to do that but I was like, it is still probably because at the speed that I was basically rolling, I'm like, it's going to take me like minutes and minutes to get there. And I don't want to risk someone coming around and hitting me. So in the end, I just like I couldn't even have the the, the kind of, um, I suppose, strength to be able to use the clutch pedal to come to a controlled stop. So I kind of saw up ahead there was a bit of an access road, which is where people kind of come on and off the track. And it's um they're marked by the orange squares. So if you ever in trouble on the circuit, you look at the barriers and where there's an orange square, that's basically your area to get off the circuit. So I thought, right, okay, I'll just try and pull up onto that access road because it should be kind of fairly flat. But I know I've got to kind of go over some grass to get there. Um, and I kind of pulled off, got to it. I didn't have the um, you know, it was too painful to press the clutch or press the brake. I just kind of came to a stop, and um. I immediately kind of took the steering wheel off because you kind of go into panic mode. And I was thinking, well, I remember I couldn't, I was hyperventilating, but I, again, I was trying not to have big breaths because it hurts so much. So I was taking like short, shallow breaths. And I was thinking, God, I need to, um, I need to get help. Like someone needs to come and help me. And I remember I was sat there and the cars came around once. So that was two minutes. So it was a two minute lap. So that had already been two minutes. And then they came around again and I'm not, still no one had got to me. So that was like four minutes. I was sat there by myself. So I remember I put the wheel back on and I basically started swearing and I was like, why have they not stopped this race? Like I need help. I've broken my back. What's going on? Like, I'm still here. Like I need help. I need help. And my engineer was saying, you know, we're trying, we're trying to get someone to like basically pass the message on. And eventually a rescue truck came to me. And there's probably three or four people that kind of came around the car and, you know, they were saying, right, we need to push you back basically through the gap to get off the circuit. Um, can you turn the wheel? Can you turn the wheel? And I was like, no, I've broken my back. And they didn't quite, I think they were so focused on trying to clear me out of the way for the cars on the circuit that they, they were almost a little bit panicky and not really taken on board what I was actually saying. And um, so they kept trying to push me and they were like, ma'am, you need to turn the wheel. You need to turn the wheel. And in the end, I just stopped trying to get my point across. And I just sat there with my arms like this. And eventually they got on the wheel and were like pushing me back, you know, a little bit kind of cross with me. And then they knelt down to me and they said, why? What's the matter with you? Why can't you start? And I was like, I've broken my back. And then, you know, everyone kind of kicked into action and um he there was a guy um called griff and he kind of sat with me and there was another girl who it, it was her i think it was her first race weekend actually and um her first day on the job and uh yeah i tried to you know there was no point i suppose panicking there was no point trying to create a fuss i just thought i've got to stay as still as possible because you know i i don't want to make it worse i don't want to, i can still move my feet at the moment i don't want to you know risk anything and you know they're 
going to have to basically extract me from this car because I'm not moving. I'm not, you know, making any attempt to get out. And um, every single race weekend, whichever circuit you go to, they have an extraction team that basically on the Thursday of a race weekend, they will come to each championship and basically do a mock extraction. Um, and we all, you know, used to take the mick out of which driver got picked to do it because it was always really, really hot and you have to get fully kitted up and you have to kind of sit there in a, you know, a neck strap and blocks on your head. And it's, you know, it's not the most pleasant of things to, to experience. And, um, you know, I remember thinking, right, well, you're going to have, you have to do it for real. Um, and yeah, they were really good. Um, it took them a while for the actual rescue medical trip to get to me as well um because they were on the other side of the circuit so I was probably sat there for like a good 10 minutes um just I suppose with my thoughts thinking you know what's the next step and um they finally got to me and lifted me out of the the car and the way that kind of happens is with a single seater so a little if you look at it it's a, a Formula 3 car you basically um there's like a safety cell in the car so it's like a metal safety cell and because there's no seat you basically you mold a seat around your body so when you get into the car there's, there's usually a bag um full of beads and you basically lay in it and it'll solidify around you and that's your kind of seat position but it sits within this metal tray and the metal tray has got basically um like attachments to it so they'll come and attach everything on and basically lift you out and then put you down and put you on a stretcher so that all happened and um we went to the medical centre on site, which is a really, really amazing facility that um, Kurta have got. You know, it's like I felt like I was in hospital straight away. Um, they did an X-ray on my back and basically, you know, straight away said, right, we've got to airlift her to whatever hospital um, they could find. And I remember at the time um, they were saying, do you want some drugs? You know, is the pain, do you want some drugs for the pain? And I remember saying no, because... You know, I was fairly, I was 95% certain I'd broken my back, but I thought in the, you know, um, chance that it isn't a break, maybe I might be able to race tomorrow. So I refused painkillers. I was like, no, because I know if you give me morphine or anything, I'm not going to be able to race. So I kept refusing it. And then when we got up into the helicopter, I thought, no, nah, I need some painkillers now. So I said, you know, I, I, I in my head I was thinking even if I haven't broken my back the amount of pain that I'm in right now there's not a chance I'll be able to race tomorrow so yeah I had some painkillers got to the hospital and they did a CT scan and then they found that I'd broken my back and um yeah that was that and uh first time my mum and dad from the hospital bed with my neck collar on I thought because I put my mum and dad through hell I thought right I'll just try and make a joke of it. So I had my neck collar on and laid like flat on the bed and I got the phone and I just FaceTime my mum. Bearing in mind, again, it's like three in the morning. It's like, hi, mum. Yeah, I've broken my back. And then she's like, what do you mean? Um, so, yeah, that was that. Uh, thankfully, I didn't need any metal work or anything doing. Um, I just had to be in this really heavy duty neck and back brace for four months. Um, and basically, you know, wasn't allowed to do anything. I had to be kind of horizontal very 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 minimal physio from probably the second month onwards and um yeah it was an interesting part of my life um I'm quite a you know I'm a northern girl so I've been brought up to kind of just get on with things and you know um mind over matter very much took took hold um 
I'm a very active person. I always have been. And I think if I'd actually tried to make um, friends with the fact that I had to be um, immobile for 12 weeks, my brain would just wouldn't be able to handle it. So I basically turned my mindset on to right, my job now for, you know, for the next however long is to get better. And so it was to eat properly, to sleep properly, to do exactly what the experts are saying, to do everything physio, like 100 percent, you know, do everything that I could. Um, and thankfully, I, my mum and dad basically took me back home and, you know, mum and, and dad basically looked after me and made, you know, cooked me food. And, you know, because I couldn't sit and eat my dinner, like I had basically probably a five, six minute window where I could kind of sit up and eat before it got too painful. I had to lay down again. So, um, yeah, I got to the end of it and, you know, I wouldn't say, I don't know, I wouldn't say I'm stronger for it in terms of like mental resilience. I think I've always had that. And I think probably everyone in that, or most people in that situation, I would imagine would, you have to, you have to get on with it because if you, if you break your back, like it's not as though like a broken arm, like your, your back is crucial for everything, any movement, absolutely everything. Um, so, you know, you have to heal as, as best you can. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't advise doing it again. I try and avoid doing that again. And I wouldn't advise anyone else to try it. Um, but yeah, it happened and it was a part of my life and I suppose it's part of who I am now. Yeah. It's really interesting what you were talking about the mental resilience, because it sounds like from the get go, uh, one thing I thought about when you were talking about, you know, you decided to switch your mindset of, okay, well, I can't do these things at the moment. So I'm going to do this instead. I could, I thought right from the get-go, that's, that's, you know, that's, a, that's, that's strong mental resilience there because not a lot of people can just do that. They no. would probably sit more in the the victim stage and kind of feel that they're, you know, everything's going wrong. Mm. Um, and again, when you said that when the car was, I think when the car was up in the air and how many thoughts went through your mind in what must have been no matter than I would, would have can imagine seconds before the car came back down. It just shows you, first of all, the, the power of the mind, but also just what goes on in all our heads that you can, that so many thoughts go through our, our minds it's in so many seconds. And then again, it's, it's choosing the right thoughts to think and to, you know, the, the right thoughts to think. And they, they just completely change the way that we feel, the way that we, you know, everything about us just from those little thoughts. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's certain things you can't control that, you know, you in that moment, I couldn't control thinking, right, I've got to be calm here. It just whatever happened, happened. And I think probably I'm lucky and I have the kind of privilege that I've been exposed to like high pressure environments since I was really, really small. So I can slow things down and try and take things in and, and kind of work out the bits that I need to worry about or focus on or not. And I think, you know, the the one bit that really almost is a bit unnerving is that I didn't think about the fact that I couldn't that I, you know could I or could I not move my feet I didn't think about that so I don't know whether because I could still move move them that I it didn't basically register with me um but you know that's the thing that yeah I didn't I didn't really think too much about which is is strange um and then it was only afterwards that I thought actually do you know what this is it is actually quite serious and it could have been a, a whole lot worse. So, um, yeah, I think that was my instant, my mum's instant thought was, oh, you know, goodness, is she paralysed? What, you know, what's the situation from here? Um, and I remember very early in that call when I said I broke my back, I said, I can still move, don't worry, like, I can still move um, because I knew that's where my mum's mind would go. Um, but again, it's kind of, 
you know, when you say about having the mental kind of resilience and strength to be able to, I suppose, direct what could have been despair and, and sadness into getting fit again. Um, cause I literally wouldn't, you, you have nothing else to do, um, apart from play on an animal, animal farm. My farm was great. It was so successful. Basically <laughs> um, but, uh, was it, um, uh, yeah, a little DS thing. It was actually when we were in America and I said to, um, my other half I said, can you go and like, get me some things to like keep myself entertained? So I wasted a lot of time on that. Um, which I'm pleased to have had because actually, one thing with wearing the neck brace and so on is you can't, like, I couldn't l- sit or lay till I watched TV. I was just staring at the ceiling. So my arms got quite strong from like holding stuff out in front of me. <laughs> I dropped things on my head for a few times. Um, but yeah, it's it's a mental strength of, I've got not, what else can I do? I either sit here in, in squalor and, and sadness and think, you know, poor me, or I pull my finger out. I do everything at hundred percent to make make sure that I will get in a car, you know, next season. And I think there was a lot of people. In fact, I know there were a lot of people that didn't think I'd be either able to race again or definitely not able to race the next season. And I worked with my neurosurgeon and my physio really, really closely and really, really hard. And I really did push myself to, you know, get ahead of where. I was at and I think one thing that is really crucial especially for uh you know people that are coming back from injuries is like you have to listen to your body and you know I think your body will tell you when it's okay to move on to the next step and you know you can try and move on to the next step and if your body's saying actually do you know what you know it's a bit painful don't just keep pushing on stubbornly like you you have to slow down again and you know there are certain things where I pushed forward on and um you know thought "Mm, I'm just gonna hold fire a little bit and then I'll try again next week and um I actually ended up probably being maybe three weeks ahead of the um schedule of recovery just from you know trying things and and listening and knowing when to call it a day and step back and and chill out so um yeah when my um neurosurgeon said about taking the brace off I'd actually already been weaning myself off it for like a couple of weeks so he said you can take the brace off now I was like yeah great I've already not been wearing it really because I knew (laughs) as well you know it's it's I had to sleep in the thing um you know I had to the only time I didn't have it on was when I was getting a shower and you know you stand very very still in the you know trying to not move too much when you think you know you've got a broken back you don't want to be moving or twisting and um my body completely seized up because it's meant to you know it was meant to be held in that position so I lost like five kilos of, of muscle um I lost all my core strength all my trunk strength so you know even though I got out of the the brace they are probably the hardest bit in terms of work was to come and I knew I was on a deadline to try and get back in the car so um yeah we made it work and I got back in a car so I did it at the end of October and I got back in a car I think it was this um end of April so November December January February March April six months yeah that's not a long time at all no and it was sore and the first mm. race at Miami was very tough um having said that I actually was matching my best finish from the previous year during that race and then someone hit me off and again the first thing that I thought was oh I need to let my mum know that I'm okay and actually, it was almost a little bit of relief to, you know, have been like, okay, 
someone's just hit me who've had a collision but actually I'm okay and mm. you know I don't have to worry about that because there were definitely moments where I thought I can't do this I can't do this anymore and my head's gone and you know I'm worried about this I'm worried about that I'm not driving properly and um I remember during I think it was free practice one at Miami where it was a kind of street circuit which they're pretty daunting at the best of times and you know you have to kind of you can't go out and be you know 100% straight away you have to build up and get closer and closer to the walls and so on and I remember during free practice one there was a point where I went down the back straight and I just thought I don't want to do this I can't do this and I almost had like a little mini panic attack in the car and I thought I can't do this and then I remember thinking well yeah you can you've always done it and like you know it's only going to get better like this is just you've basically ripped the plaster off now like you know it's going to sting initially but it will get better um and yeah I was okay from there I still have to work on things but that certainly was a bit of a like I came to a crossroads and I either go and say no I'm not doing this anymore or I say yes and you know work on the bits that I needed to work on well, I guess when you have a dream and you want to continue following your dream, no matter kind of what life throws in your way, you still push towards your dream in whatever capacity you possibly can. And trying something again for the first time, whatever it might be, even if you've done it hundreds and thousands and millions of times before, doing it again for the very first time after, you know, whatever it is that you've been through, it, it's the most daunting thing and your mind just can't comprehend and compute what is going on. It's like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. But it's almost like, no, no, but we are doing this. But it's kind of the battle with ourselves of, yeah. of, you know, the devil and the angel. Yes, no, yes, no. We can, we can't, we can, we can't. Yeah. When I, so I basically enlisted the help of a kind of sports psychologist. And I remember in the lead up to the season starting, I just, I wasn't sleeping. I was laid in bed and I was just thinking, I think I don't know whether I'm making the right decision here, getting back in car, because, you know, the chance of having a crash again at some point is going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And, you know, I was worried of, is my spine now in a position where if I have another crash, like I'm at higher risk of being paralysed because I just really, that's the one, you know, a, a bit of a fear. I really would hate to, you know, um, have that that happen to me. Um and yeah, I remember I was just laid awake, tossing and turning, and I was just feeling really anxious, and I just, I just felt uncomfortable. And I was speaking to this this sports psychologist, and she said, you know, your your brain basically is almost split into two, and you you kind of have a survival part of your brain, and you have your autonomous driving part of your brain. And she was like, the the autonomous driving part, like that's what you've done the last twenty years. Like that's you know how to drive, you know how to drive quick, you know what to do, and and all that kind of stuff. You always have your survival part of your brain there, but it's usually that your uh, autonomous side of your brain is in charge and your survival part is there in the background because you need it. You know, you need it to be like, right, watch out for that. And it, it helps with reactions and, and ultimately keeping yourself alive. Um, but she said at the moment, your survival part of your brain is in charge. And, you know, that's the one that's making the calls. That's the one that's making the shots. And your autonomous brain isn't allowed to do what you do. Um, and she said, you need to find a way to reassure that survival part of your brain. And, you know, she said, what is it? What is it that you're worried about? And, you know, I had a really honest conversation with her. And, you know, I said, well, I'm just worried that I'm going to end up paralysed if I have a crash and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, how would you reassure those worries? And I said, well, I suppose I need to speak to my consultant. And 
ask him these questions and he needs to give me a really honest answer. And she said, well, that's what you need to do. So I arranged a call with him and I just laid it all out, all these questions and worries and really extreme things and really horrible things to think about and stuff like that. And, you know, he said that I was basically no more likely to um, injure myself in that way now as I was before. He said, you know, if anything, where you've broken your back is actually now stronger. He said, if you were going to have the exact same crash again, it wouldn't be that bit that would break. It'd be somewhere else. So he said, there's no, you haven't got a week this, there now. Um, you know, it's, you should have the same mentality as you had beforehand, which is obviously very easy to say. And it's very difficult to actually make the mind believe. And, you know, when things are, are I suppose, you're under pressure or you're worrying about things to stop your mind from kind of, I suppose, automatically heading towards the survival route. Um, and that's that has absolutely been the hardest thing. And it's still the hardest thing now to um, win that battle. And it's an ongoing thing that you every single race I have to you know, work with. But it is, it's getting better for sure. And um, yeah, that's the part that I suppose in my head, I thought, well, I'll just fix myself. You know, I'll make sure physically I'll fix myself and I'll be fine. And I underestimated the mental side of it. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing, isn't it? It's, we all know when we have happens, something happens to us physically, that physically, you know, we are going to, you know, improve or get stronger in whatever way, shape and form we can. But mentally we don't realize the impact it's probably about to have and it's going to have. And I think it's a lot of people live in the state for whatever it is that they're going through in the fight or flight state. And I like the way that you kind of went through it and you explained everything about the, you know, the two different sides of the brain and, there's a survival mode and it's it's how we battle with our own minds in whatever way you know some of us every single day and how we you know how we win even the smallest of battles and some of them can be tiny for some people you know yeah. we never have to know what they are but those small battles and we don't win every single one of them but it's like one of those steps where you know you don't see how far you're going you don't you know you don't see how you know how much further you're going every day but when you then look back, whether it be in a week, a month, a year, mm. you can actually see how many of the little battles you did win to get yep. you to who you are today. Mm. And I think it's important to, you know, yes, yep. the big girls are the ones that are juicy and the ones that we aim for. And they're the ones that, you know, when you get there, it's a you know a big win. But actually, you're never going to get there without the little ones. And, you know, the, the big goal that you get to is a very small in terms of time frame and the journey to get there is very, very long. And I read a quote, I think the other day, or I saw a video and it was kind of like, you know, especially with athletes or, you know, elite kind of performance uh, driven people is that we're always looking for that next time. We're always saying, oh, when I get that drive or when I win that championship or when I'm successful at this or I race for that team or whatever. And they, once you get there, you, you win the drive. You're like, cool, right, what's next? Right, I really want to win this, win the championship. So you're never satisfied. You're always looking for the next high. And actually, you know, that's quite sad because in 20, 30 years time, you'll look back and you'll say, that championship was really good fun. I really enjoyed it. I made lots of friends. And, you know, but when you're in the moment, you, you don't realise you, you were very selfish, your athletes. You know, we're, we're kind of always about getting that next fix. And, you know, I really tried to make sure that, you know, I took the time during my recovery to look at where it started and look at where it ended and even midway through the recovery you know to start off with I was doing I was in my, my neck and back brace and I was just doing bodyweight exercises 
like even leaning over like the sink to brush my teeth was so, so painful. And I had to make sure that my posture was right. And I was, you know, doing everything as I should be. So even just holding the weight of my head, um, which is why I had the neck brace on basically to make sure that all the weight of my head was on the back of my spine because I'd, I'd crushed the front of my vertebrae. So if, if my weight was even slightly forward, I would heal with a hunchback. So it was basically to keep all the weight on the back of, of my spine. Um, I just do little things like that. And I had to do that because, as I say, I'm a very active person and I like to keep busy and I like to keep my mind occupied. And just little things like that was just something to do. Um, and it was a productive something to do. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that when I look back, I think, yeah, good for you. And, you know, you got to see all your friends and family. You know, there is a slight silver line into it that, you know, usually we're all over the place traveling and, you know, we never see our friends and family. And actually I was laid at home in my hometown up in Yorkshire and I got to see all my friends, all my family, you know, almost every other day people were popping in because they knew obviously I was immobile and probably getting bored. And, um, you know, there was a lot of help online as well. Um, you know, I was unlucky to that basically kind of some insurance I had didn't end up doing what it should have done to cover the bills it needed to. And, you know, I was thinking I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to be able to pay for my house, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it really, really showed me actually how many people did care about me and supported me on what I was doing. And, you know, I don't, um, wish to have been in that situation to kind of I suppose see and realize how many supporters I have out there but it was really really humbling and um, you know nice to see I suppose the effect and positive effect that I have on people externally as well which you know to me I'm just doing what I love I'm doing a sport that I love and I'm very driven to do that but actually we have a much wider impact on people than we probably realize. And I think what you were talking about is when you look back, it's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not living in the past, but looking back and just, just being proud of the exactly. small feats that you got through and looking back and thinking, well, I did that, you know, wow, that was pretty yeah. cool. I did that. And now look at me now. Yeah. My friends always, they say stuff to me and it, it doesn't make me giggle. Like I was going to join a netball team the other week because I, I, when I was young, I used to play every single sport going <laughs> and like, since I've moved down South, I don't play any like team sport. Yeah. And mainly because I'm, you know, I don't want to get injured and, and ruin my season. And um, I live just opposite a um, like a fitness centre and they do like netball, get back to netball bits and bobs. And I was saying to my friend, I was like, oh, I, did, I don't know, I don't know. And she was like, Abby, you broke your back and got back in, a, in into a car in like five and a half months. She's like, I think you can go back to netball. But, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Sometimes we just need someone to remind us. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we can't do it ourselves. We just need someone to give us a little prod to go, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's strange that, you know, a lot of people say, you know, how I suppose strong and, and resilient I was to do what I, or to recover from what I'd had. But again, I can't really see it because I'm like, what else would I have done? Yeah. You know, and probably until you're in that situation, you don't know. Uh, but I'm lucky to have been brought up with the mindset of, you know, don't, rest on your laurels don't sit back and blame people and blame yourself and blame whatever just get on and and mm. I suppose try and move forward and make a better person of yourself and you know I think that's testament to to my family that have brought me up in that way um and you know if there's ever anyone that that I see that's you know been in a similar situation you know I'll always offer support and unfortunately sausage curbs are still being used um in in you know certain championships or certain circuits and people are still breaking their back um you know it was only 
last weekend at a track in the UK, someone broke their back on a sausage curb. And uh, I'll always try and reach out to those people and say, look, I'm here if you need to chat or you want to ask anything like, you know, I'm always all, all ears for stuff like that. Yeah. And on the point when you were saying about, um, you know, people, people could think, you know, I, I could never get through something like that. I could never be that brave or resilient and things like that. A lot of the people that I speak to um, with this and just in general, they all say a very similar thing and myself included, which is, you know, first of all, you, well, you don't also know how strong you are until you're forced to be strong. But if God forbid you are put in that position and you're saying, I could never be as brave as you or I could never, you know, be as mentally resilient. You could, because if that is what you're faced with, that's all you know and that's all you've got to do. So yeah. it, it kind of does come out of you, this mental strength and this resilience. It does come out. Yeah, yeah. Whether you are mentally kind of conscious of thinking, right, I'm going to do this and that to make myself feel but feel better or move forward, um, or whether your body's just like doing it without realising. And it's only mm. then afterwards when you look back and you say, yeah, okay, actually I was able to do that. And, you know, ultimately people can say to you, why don't you go and do this or go do that or you know, if you go through a break breakup or something and you're feeling really naff, you know, sometimes you need to have that time to kind of deal with it. Um, you know, I remember when I, so when I broke my back in America, they gave me this um, brace to wear and it had the neck collar on it. And um, when he said, oh, you're going to have to wear it for 12 weeks, I was thinking, oh my God, that's like a lot of time. And um, I thought, well, maybe not though, because actually on the, the day after I broke my back, uh, a kid racing in Formula Four at the same track, same event. He did the same thing on the same sausage curb and broke his back as well. So he actually had the same neck collar on as me. And I flew back home, and he went to his um, consultant in the US. And the consultant basically said, uh, "You don't need to wear the one with like the neck collar. You can wear this other one." And I remember thinking, "Oh, that's great because I think actually when I." hopefully speak to my consultant they are going to say that I don't need to wear the neck collar and I can just wear one you know just a back thing on because you know wearing a back brace yes it isn't great but actually at least you can still move your head and move your neck and it's very claustrophobic and restrictive to wear a neck collar and I thought oh my god he's going to tell me I can wear just a back collar and uh spoke to him and he was like mm, no 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 he said this this neck collar is not good we need one that's even higher and I was thinking oh right okay this was on over zoom call so finished the chat hung the phone up and I just burst into tears and I was like sat in mum and dad and I just burst into tears bawling my eyes out and I was like I, can't, I didn't think he was going to say that I thought he was going to say I can you know get rid of this and I was like it's going to be horrible it's going to be so horrible for the next like however long um and I needed to do that I needed to deal with that emotion and kind of get that I suppose, frustration and fear and anxiety and sadness done. And as soon as I had that cry, I remember I laid in bed all night crying. I was up till, because I wasn't really sleeping anyway because it was so painful and I was on crazy drugs. And um, I spent all night crying. And it was really nice that actually I, I was speaking to the mum of the kid who broke his back in America. And obviously time difference. They were awake when it was early hours of the morning in the UK. So I was speaking to her and, you know, I was like, oh, I can't really sleep. You know, I'm a bit upset. And it was nice to have that support. And then once I got that night, that evening and night done and out the way, from then on, it was just right. Let's not have a pity party. Let's crack on and let's go. Um, but you do sometimes need to have that time where you sit with your emotions. And, you know, that, um, you know, she was very, very good at, 
at helping me to deal with it and understand what I was doing. Sometimes you need that external help. Sometimes you have it internally to, you know, dig yourself out the hole. Um, but I think everyone's different to, you know, how they cope with things and what they need to move forward and, and get better as well. Yeah. And for some people, it can take, you know, a day of feeling those emotions. It can take a week, it can take a month. And just because somebody else's journey of, of healing in whatever way it is, is completely different to yours. There's no point following someone else's timeline because your no. timeline is so different to who you are. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's very easy nowadays with everything being on the internet to yeah. compare yourself to others. And, um, you know, I think it's very, you can look and think, oh, aren't they doing great? You know, their recovery is so quick. Use them as inspiration. But ultimately, like I said earlier on, when we were having a chat, you need to listen to yourself. You need to listen to your body and go at your own body's pace because, you know, that other person might have rushed there. Um, recovery they might have you know rushed their physio they might have ignored their doctors and yes they might be back in a car quicker than I am but actually they might now injure themselves or you know they might not be as strong so you have to kind of I suppose run your own kind of journey and or don't run lay horizontal your own journey um, and you know it will get to the end when it's ready to get to the end and you'll move forward as and when it is yeah, I agree with you. I agree. And how are you doing now then? Not too bad. Um, good days and bad days. Uh, you know, I feel like I can't complain. I can't be miserable about anything because ultimately it could have been a whole lot worse. I can still walk. I can still race. I can still do what I've always done. Um, but it just takes a little bit more maintenance and a little bit more, um, I suppose, uh, grit to keep going um you know certain aspects it is quite sore and there's certainly as I mentioned with the kind of mental side of it that's the probably one of the the kind of tougher sides um still pushing on still training a lot still building strength back up actually from when the injury happened so um it's a long process and I knew it would be you know yes I was able to get back in a car at, at six months but I knew it would be a good you know couple of years of trying to build back up to where I was um and, you know, things have changed now with the workout routines that I need to do and the kind of areas I need to target and things that I need to now focus on moving forward, even, you know, to being an old lady, there's certain things that I'm going to have to stay on top of to you know make sure that I maintain a good quality of life and, um, you know, that it doesn't affect, you know, it's, I'm going to probably get arthritis and, and all that kind of stuff. That's going to happen. Uh, but if I can kind of manage it and, and not let it spiral or get more out of hand than it needs to then that's exactly what I'm going to try and do yeah and I think it takes a lot of trial and error really as well you know you'll you'll continuously try different things and some will work some won't work for you yeah exactly and you know there are certain things that I probably didn't do or didn't try before for example during the kind of time where it was really painful I'd use CBD um drops mm -hmm. and you know they're all informed in sport and they're all kind of okay to use but I would always kind of stay away from it just in case um but actually because I wasn't sleeping and you know so many people that um that kind of I suppose came out of the woodwork and reached out and said look actually I broke my back and I found these to really help and this and that and a friend of mine in Australia he'd broken his back carton and he said um, you know saying how's the sleeping and you know how's it going and I was like well I'm not he said try these they really work but you, you know you have to get quite high dosage of it and it, you know it should help take the edge off and you know I was able to sleep after that so you know there's certain things that um, I suppose it's opened my eyes to um, and you know I think again it's similar to 
what we've mentioned previously, some things will work for one person that might not work for another. But I think, you know, you have to keep open minded and, um, you know, try all sorts of things that are available to to maintain yourself, get better and help yourself through whatever it is that you're going through. Of course. And if something doesn't work one, two, 10, 20 times, don't stop because that 21st or that 51st or that you yeah. know, 76th time might work for you. So it's just a case of just, you know, it's the cliche thing of never giving up, but it really is just never yeah. giving up. It's keeping that head, you know, your head in the right place and your head motivated to keep trying. That's all. That's the hardest part is the brain. The brain's a, a pain in the backside. You know, you have to keep it. <laughs> on track all the time and you you know it, it wants to throw a tantrum when it wants and you know you can be in a really good place and then all of a sudden your brain's like no I'm not having it today and it can be completely you know a curveball and you think where's that come from um but as long as you you know your end goal of whatever it might be you still have that in the distance and you're still working towards that and you know for me now it's just trying to stay physically fit and um you know dealing with the kind of mental and physical side of now what I've got to deal with and just try and be as good as I can be for as long as I can be um that's my goal now whereas before it was you know to be you know I suppose racing for x y and z now yes I still want that goal but I've kind of got a little side quest as well that I've got to do at the same time um which yeah it's part of life's rich tapestry isn't it yeah it is it is it's we're kind of always going down one way and then life throws something and we can stay, still stay, stay on that path, but we can maybe change course, divert, or we can be taken to completely different paths. And that's yeah. kind of, I guess, what happens with life. Yeah, yeah. And I also think it's okay to not have like a big end goal. I think mm-hmm. as long as you are content and you're happy kind of bumbling along, then do that. You know, I'm jealous of those yeah. people, actually. I'm so, so jealous <laughs> of those that kind of, you know, they seem to be happy just bumbling along, getting on with life, doing this, doing that. Yeah. You know, they haven't got like a big... I suppose thing that drives them and and passion whereas I've always had that from a kid and you know as I mentioned we're kind of always chasing the next high and you know I have to force myself to look back and make sure that I am enjoying what's happened the moment that I'm in and all that kind of stuff but I think that's just that comes with being I suppose quite self-aware of of where you're at where your brain's at at the time um which again I've been lucky to I suppose have that from a young age because of the sport that I've done well, not even just motorsport, you know, all the, the kind of things that I've done as a kid, um, meeting people, meeting, you know, learning how to lose, learning how to win, learning how to have dignity with both of them. Um, <laughs> you know, all the things that you, that sport, I think, teaches you, which, you know, if there's ever any kind of advice, I suppose I can offer to people as well, is just try and be active with things and give yourself a focus, whether that's a big focus or a little focus, um, you know, for me at the moment, it's trying to make sure that I get on top of my head, um, you know, trying to to make sure that my autonomous brain is in charge all the time because my survival brain is still hanging around and he needs to back off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, each person, whatever they go through, even, you know, it doesn't have to be something so traumatic like an injury or something like that, just general day-to-day stuff that sometimes gets tough. Like I think if you apply the same processes and the same mindset to that kind of stuff, then you know, you'll get through it, whatever it is, whether it's you class it as a, something big or something small, other people might class it different. It doesn't matter. You know, it affects people in different ways. That's like a win is a win for whoever you are, whatever you're doing. If it's a win for you, it doesn't have to be a win for someone else, but a win is a win. Yeah. And don't be embarrassed by it. How big or how small they are. Like, you know, instead about, you know, looking back at the the little wins and the little 
mm-hmm. achievements that you get like that is important they are they are more important than the big win you know yes the big win feels really really good because you get that instant massive hit of adrenaline and you know dopamine but the little wins you have to you have to take um and don't be jealous or try not be jealous of other people's big wins because again you know from the outside you might think it looks really easy what you know they've gone from a to b and they've won this massive prize well you don't know what the the journey's been like and you know a lot of people i suppose look at me and say well she was amazing she was able to get back in the car and she's done this done that but actually you know there are certain things that you go through and you have to deal with that now on a normal day-to-day basis when i'm i'm not racing i'm not doing anything i'm just chilling at home that you know, I'm in constant pain with certain things that I do and that's stuff that you you have to find a way to deal with. And, um, you know, everyone, it's a, again, the cliche saying is that, you know, everyone's going through their own little battles. So um, cut, everyone needs to cut everyone a little bit of slack, I think, as well. I agree with you. I agree because we're all going through our own little battles and all our little wins just keep leading us to each of our big wins. Yeah, and we—that's kind of something we have to understand as well. Is is we always we we just don't seem to see all the time that each little win is leading us towards the big ones. Yeah, and even even if you're not going forwards all the time, you know the whole one uh, two step back, one step forward, or whatever. Like you still will eventually, you'll maybe jump five steps forward in one time, and you know as long as you try and make something to try and at least still keep going forward, whether that's yeah. slowly creeping forward or big chunks forward, it doesn't matter. Just try and you know go in the right direction. Yeah, well, you, I, I kind of I completely agree with what you were saying in the sense of it, if it's not going to happen every day, because it's probably not going to happen every day. So you might not have, you know, even the smallest wins of every day. And if you're not having it that day, that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's okay. It doesn't have to always happen. No. And if you're not having it one day, that's okay. It's yeah. like you were saying, it is, it's one step back to, uh, sorry, it's one forward, two back yeah. quite a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um. And you'll eventually get there. It's just sometimes it's very difficult to see the journey ahead of you and how to get there. But ultimately, you know, you're not a mind reader. No one's a mind reader. No one can look <laughs> into the future. So, you know, rather than being so worried about the future and what's coming, you know, just try and make the most of what you've got today and what's at present. And again, I understand it's very, very easy for me to say this, but, you know, I've kind of been in in some situations where I've had to do that. So, um if you can take control of your mind, you know, let's look at Mary Earps, you know, England footballer. She has been absolutely outstanding during this World Cup and even the Euros before. She's incredible. And if you look at her, you can tell her mindset is I'm saving that ball. And you know, there's no absolutely no ounce in her mind of doubt. There's nothing in there being like, but what if you don't? It's I'm saving that ball. And if she doesn't save it, she's like, well, I'm going to save the next one. You know, it's not she doesn't dwell on it. It's just right next. What's the next thing I need to do? Right, headstrong, let's go, let's do it. And you'd be surprised how, if you can take control of your mind, actually what you can uh, accomplish in the long run. I agree with you. I agree. Well, our mind is our mind is our best friend, but also our worst enemy. Us, yeah. It is a pain in the backside. <laughs> I know. I, I, know. Wish I wish it was easy, but it's not. Um, and it's an ongoing thing. You might think you unlock something and go, yes, right, I've cracked it, but... Yeah, it won't. And it's a it's a, a a developing kind of I suppose it's always trying to your your mind's always trying to find ways to like outfox you. Um yeah. so yeah, I think it's very um I've really enjoyed looking into, you know, um I suppose inspirational, motivational things from other people. Um, you know, I spent a lot of 
obviously my time laid down and I listen to a lot of podcasts like a lot of um uh, the performance like mindset um you know speaking and listening to um people that have you know done massive massive achievements you know gold medalists all of that kind of stuff and just just anything you can take you might you might listen to an hour-long podcast but if you can take like just a little nugget of information that you think actually that really is is quite useful um, and just use it and then you might listen to someone else who's completely different you might have a olympic gold medalist and then you might have someone that's um you know into neuroscience or someone that um you know works down the road at a florist or whatever and got run over like it doesn't matter there's each person is on these different journeys and whatever they go through you can absolutely always learn something from someone and I think that's that's another part where if you literally are clutching at straws and thinking how can I better myself like how can I learn something new that I might be able to use and if you're completely out of ideas just put a podcast on listen to that listen to someone interesting um you know and hopefully someone might listen to this and and think the same from you know something that I might have said which will be cool yeah it will be it'll be cool and it's interesting because I I heard something or I saw something only I think it was yesterday actually and it it come it encompasses everything you were just saying and what I saw was it was four words and it blew my mind it said new level new devil and I just thought, wow, that is so true because yeah. we we get through, you know, whatever that that task of the day is, that win of the day or the month, whatever it is, yeah. and we get to the next level and then we're just faced with something brand new. But yeah. it's constantly evolving to keep leveling up. We have to face all these devils, but yeah. we just keep going and that's just kind of the way of the world. Yeah. And ultimately, if it was easy, like plain sailing, it would be boring and the highs would be <laughs> high. Like it wouldn't. And I know that's, you know, you think, oh, that's a really, you know, it was sometimes you want a little bit of an easy ride to get through certain things, but yeah. genuinely it would not be, the highs wouldn't be so high. Um, and, you know, when I race on circuit, if there's ever a race that I'm in and I'm like 15 seconds in the lead, it's boring. It's so boring. <laughs> I'd rather be battling. I'd rather, you know, yes, you think, oh, yeah. this is great. I'm going to look like an absolute hero here. I've absolutely smashed this race. You know, I'm yeah. fast. I'm this and that. But actually, why are we doing it? Well, we're doing it to race and to to have fun and enjoy it. And I think there maybe are certain people that would rather have that, like, just win, win, win all the time. Um, but, you know, those that are, you know, proper athletes, proper sports people in terms of, you know, they like that drive and they like the competition. They'd rather be racing. And they'd rather have a little bit of a challenge because then when you get to that end goal that you've, you've maybe been working for and you get it, the highs are insane. Um, and you know, a bit of, bit of strife on the ways, uh, I think it's definitely a positive thing because otherwise you never learn, you never get, better. Yeah. um, you know, you always want that competitor to push you forward and to make you better and to challenge you. Otherwise you don't know what you're kind of capable of reaching really the highest level if you're never challenged and never pushed. Mm. Hard work pays off. It really, really, really pays off. And in some instances, we are our own competitors. Our minds are our competitors. So it's battling with our minds to, I guess, you know, win. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And sometimes you have to do that whilst battling 20 other people on the grid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I just want to ask and to finish up, what advice would you give to somebody that, so you obviously, there was fear getting back into a car. So what advice would you give to somebody that is fearful to do something that their whole life they love doing or they knew how to do and everything was that way inclined and suddenly it's 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 a whole different mind game for them and they are terrified to start again or to just, you know, get back in their own version of their car. 
what would you say to them? I would say make baby steps. You know, don't think, well, I'm going to rush straight in, for example, let's say a football player or netball player, you know, rush straight in and do a, a, a full match or run straight in and do a tackle, you know, on your first match back after breaking your leg. Like, make baby steps. And don't, you know, you are going to have to push yourself out of your comfort zone at some point, but you will know when you get there when is the right time to do that. And I think, as we've actually both mentioned briefly, it's like you're on your own time timeline and don't feel pressured by others um, to kind of run before you can walk. Um, but also try and have the confidence to throw yourself in it when the time's right. And it, like, as I mentioned, you will absolutely know when the time is right. Um, and if the time does never, never arrive, that it's never right, that is also okay. And, you know, these things happen for a reason, I think. And whether that's to teach you one thing or another, or, you know, if that, that door shuts, you know, you might find another avenue that actually you get a similar high from maybe not the same kind of a high but it's a different kind of passion or a different kind of content that you you get from from something else but I think take it at your own speed baby steps towards the goal that you're trying to achieve um and just have confidence that you know humans are very very strong resilient creatures and I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that but we absolutely are and you know, as I mentioned earlier, again, like take confidence and take little nuggets of information from things such as this podcast, from, you know, other, um, I suppose, um, kind of areas of like content banks of stuff from people that, you know, from all different walks of life. And it's you might disagree with 99% of what someone says, but the 1% that you might agree with, you might take home and actually think that's the best little nugget of information that you've had in a long time. Um, so keep your eyes and ears open to you know, what there is around you, be a bit of a sponge, I say, you know, absorb things and you can decide the ones that you want to keep hold of and the other ones that you want to get rid of and, you know, that you've got no use for. But, um, you know, the the kind of, I suppose, content of information that we've got from our fellow uh, humans, competitors, rivals, friends, family, you know, I think that's there to be used. So, you know, please do so. Yeah, that's perfect. No, I love that. I love that. Thank you very much. So is there anything else that you'd like to share today? I don't think so. That's it. All the support. Support Rebellion Motorsport. So it's a new team I've set up this year. Uh, Rebellion Motorsport. We're trying to basically do um, good for motorsport. Motorsport is a sport that I absolutely love, but it's very difficult to access. Um, you know, it takes a lot of money, a lot of networks, who you know, all that kind of stuff. So what we're trying to do is basically create a team where we can help people on their journey whether that's drivers that haven't really got the funding 100 percent to kind of come in and hopefully try and help some new drivers on their journey mechanics engineers all that kind of stuff you know we want to try and give them that kind of first step on the ladder to hopefully you know a long-term career in motorsport so if you like motorsport and you want to um, help support us and do good and see what we're up to then please follow rebellion motorsport Absolutely, absolutely. I'll be make sure to share the links and uh, you know the social media handles everywhere for you. So awesome! Thanks for having Well, thank you so much for joining me today. That's okay. My pleasure. I'll go back to getting on the simulator now. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> As we wrap up today with Abby, remember that while we often chase the next big high, it's the journey itself that truly matters. Celebrate those little wins. For a win is a win. We all face our own battles and our minds can be our closest ally and our fiercest opponent. So this week, remind yourself that it is okay to take one step forward 
and sometimes two steps back. Or maybe it isn't even back. What might feel like back is actually a step towards healing in another direction. New level, new devil. Trust in your healing process as progress is not always in a straight line. So stay tuned for more incredible stories and thank you for joining us. Your journey is worth every single step. So until next time, keep moving forward one step at a time and remember that you have the power to get back up.